morning, everyone. It's good to see you on this beautiful rainy day. Um, so, so good to see the baby with Dan. And uh, they're, they're, it's funny, I'm laughing because they're like fewer and fewer um, video streams. And this, you know, is indication of people like I just rolling up out of bed, which is cool. <laughs> I wish I could have today. Um, but we welcome you to uh, Mosaic Community Church in our online worship service. We are so thrilled that you could be uh, with us, a part of us. We want to welcome our family, our church family, friends. Um, and then those of you who maybe we haven't met yet and are join joining us online, we want to welcome you to our service today. I want you to feel free to sit back and relax and let God do what God does, unite our hearts in love. And so uh, we'll pray together and we'll get going with our, our service. Our God and our parent, we are so grateful to know you today. We are so grateful that you keep us, that you never sleep, that you never slumber, but that you are ever watching over us in the times in which we live. And so, Father, we take great comfort in being in your presence today. I ask, Mother, that you would fill each heart, each home, that you would unite us as only you can do by the power of your spirit. We um, release ourselves to you to forget about, Lord, and help us to forget about the things there are to do, the grocery shopping, the this, the that, the other thing, that we can focus for these few minutes with our community on loving you. Holy Spirit, thank you for being here. You are our leader, our guide. And so we humble ourselves before you and say, lead this service, have fun, enjoy yourself, God, because we make ourselves, all of us, ourselves available to you. Be glorified today. In Jesus' name, amen. Keith. Amen. Good morning, Mosaic. It's great to be with you again. I'm thrilled to be able to be here to raise a hallelujah with you. Amen. Our uh, first song, Raise a Hallelujah, has this beautiful chorus that says, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. Amen. And so we are celebrating a God who has power to defeat anything that comes against us. And so despite our situation, whatever it may be, we are going to continue to praise and worship this God who we know is with us and who we know will provide for us in any situation. Hallelujah, sing with me, church. 
My weapon is a melody. I raise up hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, my king is alive. I raise up hallelujah with everything inside of me. Hallelujah. I will watch the darkness flee. I will raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery. I raise a hallelujah. Yeah, you lost your hold on me. We're gonna sing, we're gonna sing Middle of the storm Louder and louder You're gonna hear my praises roar But from the ashes Hope will arise Death is defeated King is alive So this part, church, you gotta repeat after me Sing a little louder. 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 In the presence of my enemies, sing a little louder. Hallelujah. We raise a hallelujah. We raise a hallelujah. 
God, we do sing and just praise you and raise a hallelujah to you this morning. We know that no matter what circumstance we're in, that you are great, you are good, you are all-powerful, all-loving, all-gracious. And so that regardless, you are worthy of our praise. So we can stand in the storm, we can stand whatever is going on around us, and we can just praise and worship and be thankful for you. Doesn't mean we don't struggle. It just means we know that we don't struggle alone. We praise you and thank you. Amen. Amen. So church, one of our responses to this great and loving God is to praise, but also we know that because God is so good, so perfect, so full of perfect love, that our response is also to submit and to surrender to God, trusting that what God has for us is better than what we have for ourselves. And the, the plan for our lives, for our church's life, is better than the plan that we can imagine for ourselves, that God cares and is with us. And if we allow God to lead us, if we allow the Spirit of God to move in our lives, that we will end up in a better place. Amen? So this next song is all about surrendering. And we want to surrender today as a community to the Spirit of God, acknowledging that our vision is limited, acknowledging our strength is limited, acknowledging our need for God, and trusting that together with God, amazing things can be birthed in this place. Speak to me now. 
speak to me now. And I surrender. I surrender. I want to
God, we come together as your people this morning, desiring to know you more, desiring to be closer to you, desiring to be in intimate relationship with you, desiring to hear your spirit speaking to our minds, to our hearts, to our spirit, God. God, we pray that you would remove any anxieties, any fears, any distractions, that we may be open to what you have for us today. Pray, God, that you would be with Pastor Angel as she brings your word today, God, that your spirit would move through her, anoint her, Lord God, for your plan today with this service. We thank you, Jesus. We praise your most holy name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. Hallelujah. Well, again, it's good to be with you um, to spend this time. And uh, thank you, Keith. That was that was sweet, sweet. You uh, just brought the sweetness of the spirit to us this morning, and I'm grateful. Okay, so I'm also grateful, and I'm also knowing that when I get like that, I can get very quiet. So I'm gonna try to speak up. Um, today, I want to talk a bit about the spirit with you, um, and share what I think is really exciting. When I was a young Christian. Um, and folks were telling me different things about God and about the Bible and about church. And someone was trying to break down, you know, what happens to you um, when you become a Christian. And they were telling me, you know, how, you know, when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes and enters and lives inside of you within. And that God crafted us to be uh, God's tabernacle and stuff. And so it was really funny to me because I'm listening to this to these people and um, my brain, you know, you give me a seed and it just sparks in a million different directions at the same time, right? And so they're saying this to me and I'm listening and they're kind of like low key with this, you know, and this is what happens and this and it's called regeneration and, and I'm listening to them thinking, what? <laughs> in my head, it just, God, what? You know, I'm like, and they're so, it, it, the news that they were giving me in the way that they were giving was so different from the magnitude of what they were saying. I'm like, you have to get, you are telling me that God now lives inside of me and I can talk to God and God is with me. And another man, they're like, yes. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> this is incredible. For, I was a teenager. So for a, a person who was, who was sheltered um, and dealt with the loneliness in particular in my life, I was like, are you kidding me? I am not alone. I have someone with me forever walking with me. This is like the greatest thing. Why don't people tell you this when you kind of like visit church? Why don't they tell you that this is the thing that's going to happen that's incredible? People keep talking about hell. They need to talk about God and that God is going to do this. And it, and it gave me such energy and it was the vibrancy. I, I've already told y'all that I would sit in my locker block at school, in high school, and read my Bible at lunch. I was so excited that I don't have to figure this thing out. And you have to understand, I had spent a year and a half trying to figure out church and God. I'm like, how do I get to know you? I'm going to these churches. I don't understand what is going on. We know there's ritual and stuff going on and it's nice and they're nice people, but I don't get it. 
How do I have this relationship? How do I do this thing with you? How do I do God? And when they told me that, it was like the major life light bulb went off. And I just started opening my scripture. I mean, I was doing it anyway, but I opened it with this sense of expectancy that God is going to talk to me as I try to learn and know God. Because I wasn't looking, I mean, the Bible is great. I love my scripture. I love the study of the scripture. I guess maybe you can tell. But it's not just the words, the flat words on the page. It's the activity of God in life. I need God to be active. I need to see God moving. I need to see the stories in scripture become the story. Because I believe the stories in scriptures are the stories of people who are walking and living and in history. And so I want to see that. In my life, in the life of my family, in the life of my friends, I need that. Um, and if you couldn't tell, the title of the day's sermon is Energized, so I, I, I might be displaying it more. <laughs> but I am excited uh, to be able to share with you um, this. And my prayer is that it would energize us in a way that fuels us afresh and new for um for our coming days. I needed this, the timing of this. I sit down and you know figure out sermons and what we're gonna do, whatever. And God just makes me laugh because sometimes the timing of the sermon is so much for me. You know, you have a pastor, you think I'm I'm preparing this for my congregation and blah 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 blah. No, I am preparing this for us so we can hear fresh what God is saying to us. And and again, it was such a hard week last week for me. Um that I had so much grief that um, this comfort, the sweetness of the Spirit as I studied filled me and I let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does in my life. And it was incredible. So I'm inviting you with that kind of openness to come with me as we uh, talk about this in scripture. So our scripture today comes from the Gospel of John. Uh, and uh, the 21st. So we're still looking at the days after uh, Jesus uh, was raised from the dead. We're going to follow this through, looking at different moments in the lives of um, the apostles um, and the disciples uh, through Pentecost, which is at the end of May. And, uh, you know, this is all about good news. And so the good news I have for us today is how the Spirit energizes us. So as we read from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 19, it says this. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they aren't forgiven. You know, um, may the Lord bless us at the reading of his word and the blessing of the blessing of understanding. So we want that. Um, tradition talks about uh, the spirit 
Um, and the traditional talk of the spirit goes something like this. The spirit is the one who comes alongside us to help us, to strengthen us, to comfort us. And this, you know, for me yields an image of me being kind of right here and God being, you know, right here beside me over there or next to me, something, right? The language too often for me impeded my understanding of what it meant to, you know, meant uh, to move from a notion of God being kind of along for a ride with me in my life. Um, you know, like God being in the same car and we're traveling the road of life together, but in the same car. Um, and it didn't quite hook up with God living in me. God beside me, God is with you, cool. But this thing is a little bit deeper. God is in me. God is seeing what I'm seeing. God is hearing what I'm hearing. God is experiencing what I'm experiencing. Now, that may sound strange, and it's strange enough. Um, I think we have an, uh, a tendency to over-spiritualize God. It's like, what? Can you over-spiritualize God? I'm like, yeah, because we take him, we take God and, and make God uh, so big around us that we think God doesn't you know, have time for the intimacy is to be closely connected with us. Okay, so I'm going to get into dangerous ground, but I kind of like the dangerous ground because this is the stuff we need to talk about. Um, but I want you to stay with me. Um, God is not us. I'm not God, but God lives in me. God lives in you. I say we have a tendency to over-spiritualize God because we keep God beside us or over there or up there. God, but God entered time and space, human history in the person of Jesus Christ, God the Son. God continues to be present in human history in the person of the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, living with and in you and me. The Spirit is not far off watching the Spirit is not waiting to zap us when we do something wrong and make us feel bad. God has chosen to be intimately connected in our humanity, in the continuity, the fullness of our spirit, soul, and body. You know, we're not disembodied. We're not disconnected. All of those, those aspects are us, right? And we want to be integrated. We want to be whole. And God brings that integration and that wholeness. God is present with us. Now, I attended seminary for four years, and it still amazes me when I look back how little time we spent talking about the most significant aspect of our relationship with God, God partnering in life with us by coming to live in us. Um, so when we were assigned papers that we could pick whatever topic we we wanted to, I would pick the spirit. I would pick topics that we didn't talk about a lot. Because these are the things I was wondering about, you know? And so I would write, and you know, even in my systematics class, uh, which is doctrine, church doctrine, I love that class. I loved it with my whole heart. And I'm still looking forward to you meeting my mentor, uh, Dr. Martell, one day. Um, but even in that class, we didn't spend much time talking about um, Pneumatology, which is, you know, the study, the theology of the spirit. We didn't spend much time with that. You know, this falls in the ranks of all those things 
they let you do without a license. You know, they um they'll let us get married and we don't know what we're doing. They will let us have kids and we got to figure that out. And it's just like, you're kind of running, trying to catch up because the baby's already here. And it's like, oh my God, I don't know. And, and, and you think somebody should have really, you know, spent more time with this. You won't let me, you know, operate a car. You won't let me go out into the world unless I have an education, but you'll let me do all of this. That makes no sense. And it still doesn't, but you know, that's how it works. And so we become a Christian and nobody teaches us life with the spirit except mentioning, you know, some scriptures that become almost trite because, you know, you act like, yeah, I know that. I, I know the spirit comes and lives within me. But we don't cause the words and the language become a part, you know, of us. They become a part of the, the Christian haze that's out there. I want to see if I can. Uh... Hey, Andrew. Oh, no, I can't. Can I share my screen? You sure can. Okay. Oh, okay. Let me pull it up. Nope, that's chat. One day I'll be good at this like everybody else. Here we go. Did y'all see this picture this week and how they were talking about how the haze, the pollution in New Delhi is, um, is lifted. And so you've gone from the picture on the left to the picture on the right. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing what's happening to the earth because we need it to keep still and let it heal. Tremendous. You know, God takes something that was meant for harm and makes good stuff out of it. So we have these, this image. Let me get back to my sermon. Um, we're living, sometimes it's like we've been living in that haze. But my goal as a pastor is to help us move out of that haze so we can live freely in partnership with the Holy Spirit all the time. And that as we are seeing clearly, uniquely from our own eyes, uniquely from our own experience, it's the Spirit of God that's connecting us to see the beautiful picture of what is real before us, not what's covered in a haze that we're kind of squinting, trying to see through. But the Spirit lives in us, and we can see clearly. So a little bit ago in my sermon, I said, God is living in us. God is seeing what we're seeing, hearing what we're seeing, uh, experiencing what we're experiencing. Now, that doesn't mean that God is interpreting what I see or hear or experience in the same way I do. This is my connection, my reality, as I see it, right? So as a human being, I'm bound by my senses, by time and space, by the fragmentation of my memory, by how fast my memory processes information or works, the limitations of my ed education. I want to stop right here and say, and we all have educational limitations. Lauren Howard is Dr. Lauren Howard, and he has a, a doctorate in, in some aspect of biology. Forgive me for not knowing exactly what, Lauren. Um, but when it comes to technology, Lauren doesn't have his doctorate there. So Lauren is not as skilled in technology as he's in biology. So Lauren may have to go to Beth, his sister-in-law, and ask, him, ask her some stuff about the tech. We all have limits. There are places where we all fall short, right? We have fragmentations, we have limitations. Nobody ever said that you let your limitations limit you. As long as there are other people we can ask, we can bring it into our, our sphere. We're not alone in that way. We need each other because of those limitations, those gaps, those lags in the same way. 
we have the spirit. I have these limits in my perception and understanding, but the Holy Spirit isn't bound in the same way I am because the spirit is intimately connected to the triune God who created everything, including me. But that doesn't mean, me, the spirit is intimately connected to everything, including me. And so there is a God-like understanding, a full perspective, a full picture that God is able to explain to me and to you about what's happening that shifts us ever so much. It moves us from that picture of haze closer to that picture of clarity. And that's wonderful because God fills in the gaps of our limitations. But that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit isn't bound. I'm bound by my senses, time, and space. I am released in my relationship with God. But the Holy Spirit can be bound by something. How can the Spirit, how can God be bound, you may ask? The Spirit is bound by the limits you and I place on our relationship with the Spirit. You and I can't have common communion or intimacy with God or get direction uh, from anyone we don't know and don't talk to. It's hard to have a genuinely authentic relationship with someone you're afraid of, afraid to get to know. We have built up these biases about the spirit. We have misunderstanding. This church does this and says this. These people over here get happy and jump around and that makes me kind of nervous. These people just sit too stoically and there's no response and I don't like that. We All of that stuff becomes a chatter the limitations, the gap, it, it just fills in. Or we stay away from the spirit because people make the spirit something spooky or has led us to believe that the spirit will possess you and make you do things that beyond your will. And, and all that is, you know, can be really strange stuff. But Jesus was clear about the role of the spirit. Um, and the role the Spirit could play in our lives. Jesus called the Spirit the other counselor. Jesus was the first. He was there counseling and talking to the people present with him, and it got recorded in our scripture about how to live and what it means and what the kingdom of God was and how the Old Testament should be interpreted in his time and, and how to, to live, actualize life with God, right? And so he said, I, he called the Spirit another counselor which denotes that the spirit is supposed to be a guide to us, talk to us, somehow communicate in a way we would understand and could respond to. The spirit is also called the spirit of truth. The spirit enlightens us to what's true and what's not true. And there's so much happening in life, so many things people say, so many directions our culture has taken, so many things that society has put up and taught and ingrained in us and we've been indoctrinated that some simply aren't true. And we need the spirit of, the God, of, of, the, of God speaking to us to know the difference. Some things are factual and just because they're factual doesn't make it truth. It's a fact that I do things that separate us. But the truth is that Jesus died and he made me new so that I could live differently. 
So I live into the truth and not into the facts. The facts will pull you down. And it's not, I'm not saying to ignore the facts, but not to give them the highest priorities because it's the truth, the truth that the spirit leads us into that frees us. John, so John 20, 20 21 and 22 says, or actually 22 says, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the spirit. Now, this is what we need to know. Some things we need to know. This is not a symbolic or this is not symbolic rhetoric offered by Jesus. Just something to read. Oh, sounds nice, good, lovely. We, we um, always talk about Pentecost being uh, when the spirit was given and the, and the pouring of the spirit in different is different. Let me say that again. We always look at Pentecost as the time when the spirit is given. But we need to understand that there is a difference between the outpouring or the pouring of the spirit and the receiving of the spirit. Two different things, okay? This is not rhetoric. We talk about the outpouring of the spirit on Pentecost Sunday, which we will do on May 31st. But today, I wanna to focus on Jesus breathing on the disciples and instructing them to receive the spirit. So again, I don't believe this is symbolic talk. Why? When we look at the way the text is actually written, especially the word received. Now, I could bore you by telling you about the verb uh, that's used and the, and the tense of the verb used uh, for received. Um, it's written in the aorist imperative, signifying <clears throat> the single act, the single act of receiving. And the way that it's written, um, it basically means that this event happened in a moment in history. And the imperative is that it was extremely important. This is something I want you to get. This is something you need. I want you to get it right now that Jesus was saying, right now, receive the spirit. This thing happened. So he breathed on them. Now, the Greek word used for breathe is umphusa. Um, used in the um, Septuagint, which is the Greek, or Septuagint, it's the Greek version of the entire Bible. So, so this word breathe is, is significant. <clears throat> it was used different times in scripture, but the most significant <clears throat> I want to talk about with you um, is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. God breathed the breath of life into the first human, and that human became a living being, or King James, a living soul. So the use of the word here in John is not coincidental. It, John intended to relate it to the word that was used in Genesis. It's the same word used also in the book of um, Ezekiel, um, in the Valley of Dry Bones. Um, in Ezekiel 37, uh, the writer says, breathe on the slain in this valley of dry bones. Breathe on the slain that they may live again. What's important for us to understand that 
is that in John 20, 22, Jesus is using the word breath to let us know he's talking about giving life. I explained a few months ago, uh, the story of the Garden of Eden is a story explaining our separation from God, from each other and from all of creation, right? In those first humans representing all community, um, that they did something that caused a separation, the story. This is the story that, that, that the Lord has allowed us to get to help us understand um, our separation from him. God told them, if you eat of the fruit from a particular tree um, that was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God said, if you eat from this, you'll surely die. Now, I don't know if that's exactly what happened, the exact story, but I know it's meant to be instructive, right? And so I want to receive the instruction from this. The first aspect of death, when I look at it, I come to understand that the first aspect of death was our separation. And then years later, in scripture, the physical body was separated from all creation, from all from other humans. And there was physical death. But the first death, the first separate was, was separation you'll surely die. That's another imperative. You will surely, this is what's happening right now. And so that you did something to separate you. Yep. You separated. And it felt so incredibly painful that those first humans went and hid themselves from God. See, Jesus came to earth so we could stop hiding. Jesus came to reconnect us to life, and that life is God, to move us from separation to being connected with they, God, who give life. At this point in the scripture, Jesus has lived, he's died on the cross, he was resurrected, he's appearing to the disciples, and he breathes on them. Why? The same breath of life word. Jesus is restoring or regenerating or energizing his disciples. This breath of life is the spirit. And he said, there's a role that we play. There's a role that we play in this. I can breathe on you and it doesn't mean you'll do anything. Now I'm asking you in an imperative way, receive, receive what I've given, receive. Jesus promised in the scripture in John 14, uh, verses 16 and 17, I will ask the father or the parent, and God will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world can't accept this help. The world can't accept the presence and the guidance of the spirit because it doesn't know the spirit. It doesn't see the spirit and it doesn't know the spirit, but you know, you'll know him. You'll know the spirit because the spirit lives with you and will be in you. Okay. That sounds nice. I can just preach on that for days, but you have to ask the question. I have to ask the question. Okay. Why is that important? Again, another scripture. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Um, 
I'm doing a bunch of movement through the scripture because there is a, a, an overarching narrative that gets told from one book to the next. And it's important for us to see and understand that overarching narrative. It's the same way when you pick up a book uh, that's teaching you something, you read um, the you read the the the, the, the forward and the, the early things that are written. You read the first chapter that helps you understand why the writer was writing the book and how the writer is going to explain the book. You may go to the end of the book and read the end because then the writer is going to tell you that he did or she did exactly what they said they were going to do and rehearses in summary. Here is the point. But the middle is the part where the, all the explanation happens. And so I want to talk about the continuity, the, the narrative, and then point us to pieces that help us understand. So 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19 says this, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, or you are a new creation. The old has come, the new is here. All of this is from God, who reconciled this regeneration, reconnection, reconciled us to God's self through Christ and gave us the ministry, gave us to participate in reconciliation. That's the last part of that John text. When you forgive people's sins, they're forgiven. When you don't, they're not. We are given the ministry of helping people understand that you have been, I have been forgiven, and we can have this reconnection with God. Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to God's self in Christ not counting people's sins against them, not counting those things that separated us anymore, that, that, that abolishing the separation. And God has committed to us the message, the good news of this word. That we're not separated. We can be reconnected. We are new creations. Why or how? You know, the, the scholars... This is where the scholars talk about the term regeneration. Um, and, you know, those are like nice churchy words and stuff. Yeah. Um, I used to just like get mad because I like, if, you know, there's so many different people in the room. I want to speak in a language that everybody in the room understands, right? Uh, but I found the more I spent time in this calling, the way the church educates you, you got to know all these fancy terms because we have this whole thing about wanting to look like experts. And so we learn all the fancy terms and terminology. And then we, when we speak, because we learn that way, nobody understands what we're saying. Don't like that. I want to be understood. So simply put, this word regeneration, it means we've been made alive. How? Because the spirit lives in us. And by living within us, by the activity of God living and connecting to us, it has ignited us. And it's brought us back to life. Remember, separation was death. Connection is life. Connection with God is life. And now we're connected to God, which enables us to be connected to each other, which enables us to be connected to all of creation but we still have to play a role in this. The spirit has connected us to God, but am I, are you pursuing that connection, that relationship with the spirit? The spirit is not like a good luck charm or something we wear around our neck and so we have it and so, you know, good things may happen. 
the spirit is kind of like this. Have you ever turned on a gas stove? Turn the, turn the little knob. And, and when you turn that little knob on, 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 the, on the newer gas stoves, what do you get? You get that click, 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 Because that's letting you know that the gas has been released, right? And sometimes we can smell it, but they want it, they put that, that click, click, click thing on it so we would know for certainty, right? Then the igniter ignites it and whoosh, we have a flame. Remember how I just said the spirit can be bound when we limit the spirit? Our reconnection with God through the spirit is like turning on that gas, releasing it, but nothing happening with the igniter. You and I have to initiate or actively engage the spirit so we get the flame. For years in the church, it was said, you know, this thing about grieving the spirit when we do things wrong, uh, when we sin, when we do things that, for me, I prefer the term, when we do things that separate us. Um, so we, would, we were like, okay, I don't, I'm not going to cuss. I'm not going to steal. I didn't lie. So I'm good. I'm good with the spirit. Party, party. Everything's okay. I'm good with God because I'm doing, you know, right stuff. And the spirit's not mad at me. But uh, it goes deeper than that. I'm not saying that doing things that disconnect us is, is, is okay. I'm not. But I'm saying that, that there's so much more to the grief that the spirit feels. The grieving the spirit is not about making the spirit mad at you and me. No. It's about forcing the spirit to live without fellowship, to live without communing with God's self and with us, without relationship with the ones God sent the spirit to have a relationship with. That is the grieving of the spirit, forcing the spirit to exist with the no relationship, limited relationship limited interaction. It's literally God in a box. And that box that we're putting God in is you and me. God in a box. I would never want to live that way. Years ago, I saw, you know, one of those scary movies where they buried somebody alive and they gave them a few days in oxygen to live. And that, oh, that terrified me. I, 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 that, those kind of things in movies are the worst things for me to see. Then it made me think, that must be like, an incredibly awful experience for God to, to, to exist in me, to be alive in me, but not be able to express and not be able to exist in me is, is to say to exist in time and space and, and have the opportunity for engagement and not to be able to engage. How awful, how miserable, how intensely, oh, that must be. So the first thing is no, no God in a box in your life and in my life. God is a God of community and God needs that community with us. This is who God is. The Holy Spirit lives in us to share community with us and us with the Spirit. Now that right there is enough to get excited about. I've got living in me and wanting to have a thriving relationship with me to guide me, to partner with me in the living of my life. That's incredible. 
I got to talk to the spirit. And even more so, I need to learn how to sit and study, how to listen, how to engage this connection with the spirit of God. And that's the critical thing. Angel, how do I listen to the spirit? How do I hear from God? This is what my job is in, 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 in you know, a reduced kind of way to the core to help you and I get closer to God and hearing the voice of God. So you and I can ask God things and seek God's guidance together and move as a people, the Jesus movement, empowered by the spirit. The spirit is within. So we have to turn within. We have to get quiet. We have to listen. You and I have to stop all the chatter and all the noise. Even sometimes in church, we have this beautiful programs and things that we do with worship and all that stuff is wonderful. And we have activity and busyness and we throw in, you know, some churches throw in the pyrotechnics and we have the technology and all this stuff that's going on. And sometimes even in the midst of the congregation, we need to stop and get quiet and listen. And that takes within us the faith the trust, the confidence that if we get quiet, if we get still, that God will speak to us. That God knows how to get a message to us. But we're so busy, we can't get connected. The gas, it's just clicking and gas is being released with no ignition. Listen, the more you and I practice waiting on God, the more you and I will hear from God, the easier it becomes to get quiet, even in the midst of a crowded room, even for me, before being before the entire congregation preaching, there is an internal connection and peace and quiet that allows me to hear what God is saying. And God can say to me, you know, say it this way. And I don't necessarily know why, but somebody in the congregation may need to hear it a particular way. And it touches them and it moves them. And I, we are actively preaching together, me and the spirit. And we are actively living, moved to living life together, me and the spirit, you and the spirit, listening, but we have to practice this thing. I love what's happening today with all the meditative practices. It's like the Holy Spirit is saying, look, I, I, I got to get you guys to listen to me. So I'm just going to make getting quiet cool right now. So we're living in a, a phase where being quiet and turning inward is a cool thing to do. There was a time in the church you said meditation. They thought, oh my God, you're, you're practicing some other religion and some, it, it was just like crazy. That's something you didn't do. And now we're open. And I think that this is something that's happened to God because he's like, I'm going to get your attention. God wants us to recognize God and have this wonderful relationship that we can, that we talk about. We spend too much time talking about it and not experiencing it. And so God wants us to stop. I need to tell you something else. It's the, the ultimate reason 
I'm talking about all this spirit relationship stuff, why it's important. It's found in those same verses in the study of John 20. And let's look at it. Jesus says, for the second time, now in verses 19 uh, and 20, he said, when he, when he entered the room, the locked room, he said, peace be with you. And it was the right, it was a greeting. That is a greeting that God gave, that, that people gave during the time. But he said it a second time. When things are repeated um, in scripture, we want to pay attention. Okay. So he comes in and he, he says, peace be with you. He shows them his, 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 his piercings and his side and they rejoice. And he says again, peace be with you. The word peace here implies oneness, unity, quietness, rest, nothing missing, wholeness existing. It is based in the word shalom. This word means this. So it's as if Jesus is saying, in your experience of this new creation, there's oneness and quietness and rest and wholeness. And he says, out of this experience, as the Father has sent me, or as the parent has sent me, so now, through this experience of oneness, of quietness, of new rest, of new wholeness, of being a, a new creation, out of this experience of being a new creation, I send you. As the parent, he says, as the father, as the parent sent me, I need us to understand that Jesus is sending. Listen, Jesus ascending didn't start with Jesus being a baby in a manger. It didn't start there. God sending Jesus started way back in the beginning. And so again, that understanding that the, the narrative text. So we go back to the beginning and we look in Genesis 3, 15. And they're in the garden, <clears throat> in the garden after the acts that separated us. And God spoke to the serpent, the representation of what separates us. And God said, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is God's first promise of redemption. It foretells of the conflict that, it, that will exist between humanity, particularly Jesus, as the offspring of the woman, and of all of that which, um, and all of that which, which fights to separate us from God and from each other in the world. God says he will crush the head of that which works to separate. But even as his heel is struck, his heel is impacted by that which separates, still he crushed it. There are strikes that Jesus is healed. Christ was struck on Calvary, but he secured our ultimate redemption. But we're still waiting for the full expression, the full manifestation of that. And so while we wait, there are still aspects of the conflict that continue. Jesus said, as the father, as the mother, as the parent 
has sent me, so I send you to keep crushing everything that dares to exalt itself above the oneness and unity, above the quietness, above the rest, above the missing, above the lack of wholeness. I am going to call you, I'm calling you to stand and crush that in the earth. This is the peace I've given. And so we ask, how, Lord, how do I crush those things? And the answer is even still within those same, that same scripture, he breathed on them. Receive, do your part in receiving the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Spirit, sit in quietness and rest to hear the Spirit and do as the Spirit directs. If if we do anything with the time that we have right now, one of the things that we, that we I want to say one of the things we need to do, I can't direct you and make you do anything. You are a free will person, you know, and your agency is important to me. But my encouragement is that if we do anything with this time, is that we use it to sit in quietness and practice listening. People used to call it practicing the presence of God. We need to slow down and listen and know God. Let us look to where the spirit lives inside so we can know because the spirit is seeing what we're seeing and hearing what we're seeing and experiencing what we're seeing. And we were promised not to be alone. We just don't have a ride or a hitchhiker in our body. We have an active, I want to say an active person. We have God. And my body is not a box. My body is a living entity. And somehow God has come to form this union with me. And I want to make the most of it. I am determined not to let the Holy Spirit be in a bad marriage with me. I want to be available and I want to listen and I want us to grow and live and move together. It's in the stillness and activity that we crush that which dares to separate. Because we've said no to separation, we spend time with our partner, with our friend, with the lover of our soul. Amen? True? All right. All right. Slide into home. Oops, I guess I did slide. That was it. I slid into home. <laughs> Amen. My brain works and I have more things in my head and I try to be good about our time. <laughs> but I could talk about this forever. Listen to me. It's in that time. God is energizing you and me. This relationship that we have with God is the most exciting thing. And as much as you love looking into the eyes of your spouse and enjoy when there's special time, God wants that, but it requires us to get quiet for God's presence and hear and practice it so we can do it in any atmosphere at any time. We are not alone. Please, I say this to myself as I say it to you, 
Don't make the spirit of God feel like God's alone in us. We have the spirit. We have this relationship. We need to let it soar. We need to let it raise up high. It is life changing. The spirit in me is a game changer. And this is why I can say, I know that whatever I'm involved in, because I'm involved in it, it's gonna be better. Not because I'm all that and think I'm special. And I do think I'm special, but it is more so because of this unity that I have with God. And God didn't bring me to a thing. He didn't bring me to the church for the church to go down and be bad. He brought me and he brought you to lift it up and to make it more. And so I'm excited. I want to see the more. But the more for me is not something about some management or business process that I can put together that makes us look hyped and really special. No, people have had enough of that. And you join a little bitty church in the community because you don't want that. What you want is this thriving relationship with God, with people who are hearing from God, and there's something special going on. And I believe with my whole heart, that's what we have at Mosaic something special is going on and we're all empowered and equipped and we'll talk about that more to crush all that stuff that works to separate and make our community whole within the church our community whole outside of the church and influence the work of ushering in the kingdom of God everywhere this is what we have in this relationship with God we get to touch and change it all for God's glory. May you be blessed today at the hearing of this word. May you allow God to speak to you in quiet places for three minutes, five minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever it is. Start somewhere and let it grow. God bless you. Amen. Amen. So church, we're going to end with uh, an older song. You might not know it, but a beautiful song that just speaks to this intimate relationship that God desires to have with us through the Spirit and just this desire that we all should have to want to hear, want to be led by, want to be close to. So if you don't know it, you can maybe just listen for a moment, but then jump in as you uh, catch on, because it's not only a, a song, but it's a beautiful prayer for us to close with. And, and let's make it the prayer as we leave here today of what we desire, what we long for in this relationship with God. Speak to my heart. Holy Spirit, give me the words that will bring new life. Words on the wings of the morning, the dark nights will fade away if you speak to my heart now. Speak to my heart. Holy Spirit, message of love to encourage me, lifting my heart from despair, how you love me and care for me, Lord.
Hear from you, Lord. 
into our hearts. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our hearts. Lord, speak to our hearts. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise that you are not a God who's far off but you are God who has come close, so close that you want to reside within us, you want to speak to us, you want to give us new life, and through us you want to give new life and new hope to this world around us. So we thank you, God. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear you today and each and every day. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Keith. Um, so, you know, I want us to remember some folks um, in our prayers, um, in our thoughts, in our actions. Um, you all have been wonderful about outpouring your love to Melanie Gilchrist um, as she's now lost both her parents. One, her mom on Good Friday, her dad just this Friday. Uh, and our hearts go out so much to her. I saw her yesterday um, and was able to spend some time. And um, she's dealing. It's hard. This is hard stuff, but she's moving and functioning. Her parents left her an incredible legacy. They left her as an incredible legacy. And um, she's calling on that strength that they taught her, a relationship with, with God, um, to guide her through. And um, it was good. It was good. It's real. So to know how to wait in those waters of grief and to be lifted. And I realize that many of us may be experiencing that as well. I know that people who are close to me, there have been like four or five people who've lost their fathers. And it's just kind of ignited my grief again with losing my dad. Um, and we have friends who are getting sick. Meg Malcolmus visited our church a couple of times and her mom is um, has had the virus and is fighting it. And uh, there are other friends that I have who now have the virus and are fighting um, uh, for their lives. And we want to know about and remember uh, the people in your lives who are struggling with this, who may have contracted this, or in, are experiencing some other form of grief, you know, because cancer is still going and all this craziness is still going on in the world, right? And, but we're not able to do the rituals that help us in our grief right now. And so we need to be there for each other. And Melissa, when all of this started, Melissa Baird uh, posted something about bearing witness. And it is incredibly important right now for each of us to bear witness um, with someone else to help them in their process and their journey through this COVID-19 uh, isolation stuff that we're in. So I wanna encourage us to keep doing what we're doing. And if you're able to do more, I wanna thank you for those who reach out and continue to do, um, to love. That's what you're doing. Love on people. I want to thank you for that. And uh, I want to encourage you to, uh, to use prayer, uh, our prayer um, email to 
to send in prayer requests. We're still gathering um, on Fridays. We may change it to a different night. If Fridays aren't working, people are finished with, you know, the weekend just want to chill. But, you know, I want to use this as a time to encourage the church in prayer. So the prayer team is meeting in the coming week, and we're going to try to have some ideas, and you'll see them active in the worship service on Sunday coming and then on um, while we're online and then when we're back in the church. Um, I'm grateful for them and their commitment to pray. So I say all that. Let's pray um, and uh, close out our service. Our God, we thank you again that you are our counselor. Holy Spirit, that you are alive inside of us in our lives and the activity of, of in our homes and the activity within our church. You are alive and real, and we seek, Lord, a dynamic relationship with you. We don't want to just be passive, but engage with you. So Holy Spirit, show us, teach us how to lovingly walk with you. Teach us our part so we can do it and deepen our relationship with you. We remember Melanie Gilchrist and her family and ask, Lord, that you would bless them with your comfort, that you would bless them with your peace as they are grieving, as they are hurting. Help them through this journey. And Father, we remember all those who have lost loved ones to this virus and to other things. Lord, that you would be their comforter, that you would be their peace, that you would make that peace that passes all understanding active and alive in their lives today, Lord, that they can get through this knowing that within us, you live, and that legacy of moving forward is within us, that legacy that empowers and enables us to grieve and to grieve well, and then to come to places of, of memory and joy. Father, help us to walk to that. And Father, I thank you always for this church and for the future that is before us. I thank you that you are speaking to us and giving us creative ideas and wonderful ways uh, to grow and nurture. I pray, Mother, that you would help us communicate that with one another and improve the way we talk and share. Be glorified, God. Be glorified in your church. In Jesus' name. Amen. You guys are loved. Thank you for joining us. Have a wonderful day. We have uh, the uh, worship team meeting has been moved to 3 p.m. today on Zoom. So I'll see those at the worship meeting. God bless. Be safe. Stay beautiful. <laughs>